My name is Gavin Manu. I'm the publisher of the Express News Group, including the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and the website 27East.com. Uh, today's Express Sessions conversation is titled Clarifying the Vision for the Stony Brook Southampton Campus. As for today's discussion, for the last 60 years, the 84-acre stretch of property in Shinnecock Hills has had a college presence, first as Southampton College, and today as the Southampton campus of Stony Brook University. The campus has long been a focal point for marine science and a bastion for the arts, but the, vis the vision for its future has varied. Plans to build the new hospital on the site would obviously spark a new era for the campus, but at the same time, conditions of some of the buildings have critics crying foul and worrying about the future of the campus. There are obviously many issues to address, and we've got a great group of panelists who I'd like to introduce now. Joining us are Wendy Pearson, who is Vice President for Strategic Initiatives at Stony Brook University. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> Jed Shivers, who is Senior Vice President for Finance and Administration at Stony Brook University. Thank you, Jed. <laughs> Dr. William Wertheim, who is the Interim, interim Executive Vice President for Stony Brook Medicine. Thank you, Bill. Dr. Christopher Gobler, who works on the Southampton campus as a professor in the School of Marine and Atmospheric Sciences at Stony Brook University. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> former Southampton College provost, provost and former US representative, who is a current and distinguished lecturer at the College of the Holy Cross, Tim Bishop. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> New York State Assemblyman and Southampton College graduate, Fred Thiel. Thank you, Fred. And New York State Senator Anthony Plumbo. Thank you, Anthony. And with that, I'm going to turn things over to the moderator for today's event, the executive editor of the Express News Group, Joe Shaw. Joe? This is the biggest crowd I think we've had for one of our Express Sessions events. And I know that we had a waiting list for people to get in. And uh, it was very much playoff atmosphere uh, to try and get in the room here. So we're happy to have everybody here today. Um, thank you for those of you who made the trip down from Stony Brook. I uh, saw the bus out front. That's awesome. Uh, it's great to have representation here. Uh, this is an important conversation, and we're having it in the newspaper as we speak. We're in the midst of a three-part series that's focusing on the past, present, and future of the Southampton <clears throat> campus. Uh, there has been a college at that campus pretty much consistently since 1963. And we seem to be at kind of a key moment moving forward with Stony Brook University and Stony Brook Southampton. Uh, I think we have a great panel here today and we have a lot of folks in the audience who we also want to get into the conversation. Let me explain something up front. This is a conversation and we have an audience for that conversation. It's not just in this room. WLIW is doing us a great favor by recording the audio and video. We will be publishing the video later on our website. We're gonna be covering it in the newspaper. There is a big audience out there that wants to hear what's going to happen with the college. Very clearly, there was a lot of interest in that for the event today, but it goes beyond that. So we need to have a really productive conversation today. So I'm going to ask everybody to work with me on that because we're kind of all in this together. Um, do me a favor. Keep we're going to bring the audience in very quickly because I think a lot of people have a lot that they want to contribute. I'd ask everybody to and, and that includes panelists, but also people in the audience. 
keep speech making to a minimum, like keep your questions and comments as brief and concise as you possibly can, because I want to get to as many different points of view as we can in the room. So that's it. No more scolding. <laughs> um, I'll go straight to the panel then. Uh, I want to give them a chance to speak. And I want to start with Wendy Pearson, who I think has a very important role in this conversation, because um, as the vice president for strategic initiatives at Stony Brook University, I spoke with Dr. Maury McGinnis, who's the president of Stony Brook, a couple of weeks ago. That article is going to be published this week in the paper. And she mentioned that you have a big role moving forward in what's going to happen um, with the campus. Uh, the university just recently completed a strategic plan, I think, and now it's about putting that strategic plan into effect, and you have a big role in doing that with the Stony Brook Southampton. Talk a little bit about your role in the future of the campus. Sure. Thank you so much for the question. Um, first, it's really great to meet all of you. I've been on the ground all of uh, two months and some change. And so uh, this is a nice uh, way to meet a good cross section of the community here in Southampton. Um, I came actually from the University of Hawaii at Manoa. I was there for almost 30 years in higher education. A big change for me and my partner who's uh, sitting over there in the corner. Um, but as you said, yeah, my role is here to uh, help us find a comprehensive plan forward for the Southampton campus. Uh, strategic plan implementation, and also our role as anchor institution with the New York uh, Climate Exchange. Um, these are all really exciting initiatives. I'm, I'm super happy to be here. Um, my role is really uh, to engage the community, both the campus and the wider Southampton community, on what makes sense for the Southampton campus. I've been having a lot of conversations um, with some of you here today, and, and certainly with the faculty, staff, and next week with the students on what has worked in the past and what has and I think the three things that I've seen at least consistently in my conversations uh, with people um, is that the first is that everyone really does have a deep love and connection to this campus. Um, there are several folks who um, were graduates of the Southampton campus and they're now faculty and staff. And I think um, everyone that I've talked to really love it there. Uh, they loved working for LIU, they loved working for Stony Brook, but they really loved being on the Southampton campus. And so that part was super clear. Uh, the second is that we all realize how much work and resources it will take to, to move any plan forward for the campus. Um, thank you so much for your uh, series. Uh, that has certainly helped me to also get up to speed. Um, but right from the outset, there were financial issues, and those have continued to this day. Um, the third is that we need to do a better job of communicating the work that we do have underway. Um, folks are well aware of kind of this exciting trajectory that we're on in terms of the Anchor Institution for the Climate Exchange, uh, the $500 million Simons Endowment, as well as being designated New York's flagship institution. But they're not really um, aware of how much that is serving as a backdrop for the plans that we have for Southampton. And I think that's on us to do a better job of communicating. I'm hoping that this conversation is the first of many in doing that. And so um, I think, you know, for example, we've spent about 40 million just in the last two years on infrastructure um, for the Southampton campus, both things that you can see, um, like the renovations to Atlantic Hall, as well as things kind of behind the scenes that you don't see. And so again, I think we can do better in sharing some of that with you. Um, I will actually be putting together an advisory committee, um, a cross section of town and gang to advise me as we move forward. And so I look forward to engaging with more of you um, as we continue to work. That's great. Thank you, Wendy. 
Jed Shivers, as Wendy mentioned, um, the financial picture um, for the local uh, campus has always been troubled. We documented that last week, uh, going back to the Long Island University days. As the Senior Vice President for Finance and Administration, what's your role in plotting the future for how this campus moves forward? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I want to say again, thank you very much for having us here. What an engaged community, right? I mean, if this... If the crowd that we have here today is a mark of engagement, you really show it. So I think we all really appreciate it. So yeah, as you said, I'm the senior VP for finance and administration. You know, from a from a uh, financial perspective, on an ongoing operating basis, the programs at the Southampton campus are really linked right up into the main programs of the university. And as you know, that those programs thrive and the university thrives, everybody does better. So I don't think, we don't really treat the Southampton campus as a separate operating entity which gains or loses money. We really don't think of it in that way. So I think that's one important difference, I would say, maybe from the past. Uh, I'm also in charge of the facilities and uh, I brought my wonderful colleague who's sitting in the audience, uh, VP for Facilities and Services, Bill Herman, so we can talk about some of those aspects. But probably, I think the reason why I'm really here today is because uh, I'm really involved and probably the lead for Stony Brook for uh, the housing projects that we have going both at the Stony Brook campus as well as the Southampton campus. This is something I'm really excited about. And I'll just say from my perspective, I think my colleagues would agree, fills us with optimism about the potential for this for the Southampton campus. Terrific. Thanks, Jed. Uh, we also have uh, Dr. Bill Wertheim. Is it Wertheim or Wertheim? Wertheim. Wertheim. Thank you. Glad I asked. Should have asked you that before I came up here. Sorry. Um, Bill is the interim executive vice president of Stony Brook Medicine. Bill, I would think that you have a big role in what's going to happen with the campus moving forward, both with the medical support programs that are in place uh, and growing, I think, at the, at the college campus, and also the talk about the new hospital. Talk about your role in, in what happens moving forward. Sure. Thank you, Joe. And thank you all for uh, having me here today. Uh, so uh, I'm a physician. I've been uh, with Stony Brook for 28 years. And uh, most of my career has been in medical education and in practice development, physician practice development. And I've had the good fortune for over 10 years of working with physicians and leaders in Southampton's medical community to help grow the educational programs and to help grow the practices in Southampton and throughout the North Fork. So I've gotten a good uh, taste of uh, the importance of the healthcare for the area. I think our my role going forward, and I've been in my role as exec, interim executive vice president for about three months, um, is really to continue to build on uh, the things that we've already done and do what we can to strengthen healthcare to better serve the health needs of the people of this area. You know, we've had some great successes I'm very proud of, such as putting a cardiac catheterization laboratory in the hospital, bringing the mobile stroke unit to, uh, to this area. And we've actually increased the number of physicians who provide care uh, throughout the communities across the South Fork. And I'm really looking forward to continuing that work. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we have Dr. Chris Gobler, who is with us. He's obviously a professor in the School of Marine and Atmospheric Science and also a local, I think you're the region's water 
expert, if I may say so. <laughs> and I have to tell everybody in the room who might not know, Chris is also the Southampton Press Western Edition Man of the Year, uh, the person of the year. So you, you deserve that. I thought you should get a round of applause for real. Um, so talk about the Marine Sciences Program, and you're, you're coming at it from, uh, you're on the ground on the campus. Talk about the dynamics of the campus and, and what you think your role can be move, going forward in, in, in charting what happens there. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for the distinction. I appreciate it, Joe, and thank you for hosting this great event. Um, I'll just mention, you know, I started on the campus actually teaching in 1997 under LIU. Um, so I can speak a little bit to both the, the way the program was and how it's evolved as well as how it's going to move going forward. Um, you know, obviously when it was under LIU and Southampton College, it was already a great legacy uh, as a great undergraduate institution for marine science. And you can go to marine science institutions across the country and see faculty who did their undergrad at Southampton College. Um, but I'll mention, you know, when Stony Brook came in, it really transformed that campus. I mean, one of the first things that happened was um, we had Ken Laval meet with, um, you know, the university and say, how can I help? And he built a $10 million marine science station there. Uh, an incredible investment that totally changed what was done on that campus. Stony Brook's in what's called an R1, Research One uh, University. Um, and so it went from a campus that was just doing undergraduate teaching to one that was doing cutting edge, world-class research that really is changing the way the whole globe is thinking about water and coastal ecosystems. And, I'm, and I, you know, I can back that up with statistics, so you just have to take my word with it for it. Um, but there's been already in that building incredible discoveries made. Um, and I see that going forward uh, even, even um, more strongly in the future. You know, firstly, all those discoveries, of course, they're of global significance, but, you know, we're working in these coastal ecosystems. So we're working on, for example, restoring Shinnecock Bay and making sure that our drinking water supply here in the South Fork is safe and abundant for everyone. Um, and, you know, we see that expanding even further in the future. There's a, a $20 million investment in the Natural Sciences Building that's being made right now that's going to even more greatly expand what we're doing uh, in marine sciences. So the um, it's been a great transformation on that campus, and the future looks bright. Terrific. Tim Bishops, I, I think you're the most unique person on the panel here because you were deeply involved as an insider. You were provost of Southampton College under Long Island University. You were involved on the political side as a U.S. representative, and you're the one member of the panel right now who has no involvement in what happens going forward. You're on the outside looking in, but I think that's valuable to get your perspective. What, when you look at that campus, what do you think of as the potential there? What, what's, your, what's your personal vision for what that campus could be? Uh, what um, Joe is trying to say is I bring almost nothing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm but, saying uh, just the opposite. Uh, uh, um, and yet we look at you with great envy at the same time. <laughs> Um, I'll just summarize my uh, hope for the campus this way. I, I hope that it evolves into something that no entity will ever consider walking away from again. Um, in 2004, the LIU trustees made the decision to walk away from what was then called Southampton College of Long Island University. Some will say with great justification, Others might take a different view. Um, and then in 2010, the decision was made at, at some level of the Stony Brook administration to walk away again. Uh, and that, that uh, thankfully never happened. So I, my hope 
is that um, it will become such a vital and vibrant institution um, that um, that walking away from it would be unthinkable. And my own view, uh, which is perhaps not fully informed, is that that future for the campus or for the college on that campus rests with the hospital moving to that campus and it would allow a transformation of the curriculum uh, in a way that would that would complement uh, the medical use that would be taking place on that campus. So that's what I hope. Fred Thiel, you're a distinguished graduate of Southampton College, and I think over the years you've made no secret of the fact that you have great affection for the college presence there in Shinnecock Hills. Talk about what you think can happen with that campus. What's your vision for what it can be? Well, I, I think the first step is planning. We need a plan, a long-term plan for that campus. It is an underutilized uh, piece of property, and you know those decisions should be made by the community. It should be a collaborative community process. There's a lot of ideas about what we should be doing at that campus. And, uh, you know, clearly uh, the cornerstones continue to be, to be the marine sciences program, which has been distinguished for years. The fine arts and the writing program, those are still our cornerstones. I, I would hope that they would continue to be. I think, as Tim said, and as several have said, the hospital is the key, to, I think, to the future of the campus and, and uh, you know, the arrangement when Senator Laval and I, you know, together and now uh, Senator Palumbo, you know, bringing Stony Brook and Southampton Hospital together was a, a, a key moment. And, you know, passing legislation that allowed for a hospital to occur on the campus, you know, that's a critical part. And as you mentioned also with the, the, the medical sciences <clears throat> programs and graduate programs that are already on the campus, we would hope that they would expand. You know, there are other things that I think can also happen at that campus. And one of them I think was referenced already, and that is certainly the potential for affordable housing and the governor's announcement this week, uh, I think will have some, uh, some impact for Southampton. Uh, I think we have to look at what are our strengths in this community. There are a lot of ideas. Uh, there's been talk about, uh, you know, providing opportunities for the trades in, 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 in that form of education. Uh, we are strategically located. You know, we are on the ancestral lands of the Shinnecock Nation, a center that focuses on Native American studies. There are there's great potential for this campus. It's underutilized. It's been underutilized for 17 years. We need to change that. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, you know, there's no one person on this panel or in this room that has all the answers. We need to involve the community in making these decisions and getting their buy-in to the future of the Southampton campus. Tony Palumbo, you are filling big shoes. Ken Laval, uh, coming in in many ways, that's got to be a tough job to, to follow Ken Laval. But Ken Laval had a huge presence in the college staying at the, South, the Shinnecock Hills campus. Um, it was a big part of his legacy. Um, talk about what you think when you, when you come in to, to this role now and working with uh, Fred Thiel to try and uh, come up with a future for the college campus there. What do, you, what do you envision? Sure, and thank you, Joe. And uh, this is my first express session, it so is. I'm happy to it's be not, here. Not I'm last. glad I drew so many people out this time. <laughs> but um, 
you know, as everybody said it was Tim. I said, no, nah, it's got to be me. Um, <clears throat> but they are huge shoes to fill. Um, by way of my little bit of background, I was seven years in the assembly, sat about three seats from this gentleman to my right. Um, and then when Senator Laval, after 44 years, retired, um, he asked me to run, and here I am. And they are huge shoes to fill. He was an educator himself. He was the chair of the Higher Education Committee. And he had a vision that I will hopefully, or I do, I had do adopt, that this is something that services the community and the local community. I live in New Suffolk on the North Fork. Um, I've been there for 25 years, so I'm not a local, but both my kids were born in, um, in Southampton Hospital and moving the hospital to the campus. And the wrinkle that we all see on the East End, of course, living out here, is recruitment retention of educators, of physicians. Uh, so moving it a little further west is a good idea. Um, I do think that that combined with a potential housing element, just to make sure, as the congressman said, that it's there forever, because this is really not only the nostalgic aspects of it and the historic nature of the windmill and of the campus itself, um, we cannot let it lie fallow any longer. This is important. And I know we had COVID. I've represented this area now for a little over three years. Um, but now it's time to rock and roll. And we've had many conversations. Wendy has been fantastic um, and extremely receptive. So I think we all have that vision to move the ball toward the end zone. With a football reference, I'm going to root for the Bills. I'm a Giants fan, but I'll root for the Bills. Sorry, guys, both of you. Sorry. Fair enough. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is what is really important that the community has input because it is such a community-based university. So I, we want to focus heavily on the future, and I think the uh, Governor Kathy Hochul's announcement this week, which was kind of a blockbuster about affordable housing, we'll certainly get to that, and I want to talk in detail about the hospital. Uh, but before we talk about the future, I want to talk a little bit about the present um, and just lay a little bit of a foundation. Wendy and Jed, I want to go to the far end of the table and talk about the financial situation with, with the local campus. Over the, the history of that campus, under LIU and Southampton College, finances have played a huge role. I'm not sure in our research that that campus has ever not lost money for either institution over the years. And clearly it's not about necessarily being a, a profit center, but it had become such a drain that it led Long Island University to walk away at one point. Jed, I'm really sort of struck that you say that there's sort of a change in, in feeling about that, that, that you're not looking at it. But I want to ask how the campus is doing financially compared to the past. Is it is it doing better now than it than it has in the past when, when both institutions have been forced to take a much tougher look at it? Yeah, so uh, thanks for the question. Let me uh, take a stab at it. I think, first of all, uh, we don't really look at, um, you know, as I think you just mentioned, we don't look at the Southampton campus as a profit center, right? We really look at it as an integrated part of the university with programs that actually, in many cases, so for example, marine science, health science, et cetera, they really exist on both the Stony Brook campus and the Southampton campus. So from my perspective, I really look at those programs as a continuum between the two campuses, and I'm really looking at the health of the colleges that sponsor those programs. I, I'm gonna say, suggest, that's a really different look, right? So in other words, you're not really saying, okay, this thing is making or losing money. I actually, if you said, is it making or losing money? I actually couldn't tell you because I don't look at it that way. I really look at it as part of the colleges. I think that's the correct way from 
the perspective of you know academic administration to really look at things. So that I think is is the first thing. I think the uh, other aspect uh, on the on the capital side is it's important to note, and I think you know you talked with President McGinnis about this earlier. Stony Brook is really uh, not in great shape when it comes to deferred maintenance overall. So we unfortunately lead the SUNY campuses in having the largest uh, you know, deferred maintenance at the level of around $2 billion. That's for Stony That's for Brook. the whole shooting range. <clears throat> everything. Yeah, the whole everything. And that is a lot of money, and it's actually quite a bit higher than, for example, the next largest campus, which is Buffalo. Now, you can say all kinds of things about that. I'm here for 18 months. My job is to get it better. One of the things that's taken place, which I think is why you're starting to see movement in terms of capital improvement on the project, on the campus, is because of our wonderful Vice President Bill Herman, who's really become adept at working very hard to generate funding through the um, uh, you know, State University Construction Fund, SUCF. And he has become extremely successful. And Bill can talk about this, uh, but you know, we went from a time where we were getting like maybe 20 million bucks, 25, 30 million bucks a year for capital improvements to, what are we gonna hit this year, Bill? We're at 251. So we really amped up the level of funding across the entire system. Now- You said the number is 251 million this year? Yeah, we've, we've got a hot year running because we got $100 million to research of which about 20 million is being used to support uh, SOMAS here on Southampton campus. So, so when, part of the reason why you haven't seen a lot of movement in terms of you know, academic improvement is just the money hasn't been there. And it's only been in these last few years that we're starting to see momentum in the right direction. But we got a lot of ground, literally, <laughs> ground to cover here. So that, I think, is something to really keep in mind. We're in a slightly different era. We hope it will persist. You never know, but that, that's that's part of the, what you're seeing. That's part of the dynamic. And, and Wendy, what's the total uh, enrollment right now on the campus? And and talk a little bit about the, the current status of the various programs there. Things are doing well. The, the programs that you have on the campus there are actually doing very well, right? No, that, that's absolutely true. I think um, you mentioned um, from the start of the campus that the the two legacy programs are still thriving, and that includes marine sciences and the arts program. And that's certainly true today. Um, the the newest addition, of course, are the health health professions programs, and those are incredibly strong. In fact, um, if you were to look just at enrollment and degree programs, um, the health professions programs are actually the largest on the Southampton campus at around 260, 300 students across uh, a number of graduate level programs. But in terms of total enrollment, it depends on how you count. There are a number of students who take classes in Southampton, particularly in the marine sciences. Um, and so those numbers, um, if you were to look just at headcount enrollment across the courses that are offered, it's actually quite larger. I'm going to kick it a little bit to uh, Braden Ho. She's our vice president for um, institutional and educational effectiveness. He's the data person, and he can give you the exact figures on that. And as we're walking the microphone over, if you can raise your hand so Bill knows where to come. Um, let me ask you real quick, Wendy. Um, the high numbers you're seeing in the medical professional programs, 
Why is that? Is that the programs, the you know, the nature of the programs themselves? Is geography part of the aspect there? Is there some local uh, appeal of that? Why is it doing so well here? Those are really good questions. I don't actually have the answer to that, but I can tell you in looking at the enrollment over, because Bill, Bill actually has the answer to that. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, one of the things is that it's able to take advantage of Southampton Hospital to work as a clinical training site. Mm -hmm. So for example, our speech and language pathology program, they are enormously benefited by the partnership with Southampton Hospital. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it a really robust program. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, what draws students to the site. And so if you, we'll go to the audience. And anybody who's speaking from the audience, if you can introduce yourself uh, before you speak, please. Um, go ahead, you were gonna did you want to uh, offer some some data, I think? We're going to start. Oh, sorry. Yeah. oh I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, so hi, my name is Brayden Hosh. I'm the Vice President for Educational and Institutional Effectiveness. And just following up on Wendy's uh, comment, we have about 600 to 700 students on an annual basis uh, taking courses on the campus. Uh, there's an additional 300 or so students that take non-credit offerings. So, you know, all in all, it's about 1,000 individuals. Um, if you were to go take a look at the headcount in programs, it's a little bit smaller than that because the programs for the marine sciences are actually sort of located administratively on the main campus. So if you go look at our website, you'd see slightly lower numbers, but it really is in the 600 to 700 range, which is higher incidentally now than it was, say, in the, in the teens. So we've actually seen a steady increase, largely because, as Wendy said, the health professions programs. Okay. Did you want to add anything there, Wendy? No? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> we have another audience. Oh. I just had a quick, uh, I'm sorry, I'm Kirby Mark Antonio, and um, I'm working on some housing initiatives here in East Hampton, but um, that's not what we're here to talk about today. But I was just curious, do you have an idea of what the height, at the height of the campus um, occupancy, what is the capacity of the campus itself for students, and where do you stand in terms of that? And also, concerning the state of the dormitories currently, how much on-campus occupancy can you actually have if you had a full house? So I guess it's about capacity with the question. I can, I can handle it. Yeah. Bill, do you want to? Uh, yeah, I can talk about the past. Um, the, um, we had, um, I think, 16 dormitories. Uh, and um, before we converted two of the dormitories to classrooms, we could accommodate about 850 students living on campus. We converted two dormitories to classroom buildings, and that gave us a capacity of around 750, round numbers. And where do we stand today? So I don't know if I can comment on capacity. Right now, I think we have about, what did we say, 60 individuals living on campus. About 30 of those were students, and 30 are participants in other <clears throat> programs. As as the congressman was saying, really, you know, if you if you convert buildings, you have different capacity uh, now than you did then. So a lot of it just depends on how what that building usage becomes. So capacity is in some ways going to depend on what the plan will be. Fred, do you want to? Add yeah, to I just wanted to ask how many of the dormitories are actually open and uh, uh, accommodating students, and how many have been condemned and are now closed. I don't, I don't know. Yes, I can take that. So, sure. uh, approximately half of the buildings are currently condemned and closed, uh, and the ones that are closed are in various stages of renovation. 
Can you give your name again, please? I'm sorry, Bill Herman, Vice President for Facilities. Okay, thanks, Bill. Um, this raises the question, um, and I'll, I'll start with actually Fred, because you've been very vocal in your criticism about the the conditions of the buildings on the campus right now. Talk about that a little bit. You've used some really harsh language. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I meant it. Um, but I, I, I want to look towards the future. And, um, but the, you know, the, there's more than a dozen buildings on the campus that have been condemned, including former Southampton Hall, which is an historic structure, and the windmill, which is an historic structure. That, to me, is unacceptable. But when we talk about the dormitories, to me, that's an opportunity. And that's an opportunity that Senator Laval and Senator Palumbo and I have been talking about for years. We live in a community that is in dire need of affordable housing. Those properties are just sitting there. We've been talking for years that there's an opportunity for affordable housing in the community, whether it's to provide housing for people that work at the hospital, because there are a number of positions, literally hundreds of positions that are vacant at the hospital, because you can't, as every businessman in this room knows, it's very hard to, to get people to come and work here, to, uh, because people, it's, it's, it's uh, expensive to live here. People don't want to get in the trade parade every day. So to me, that's a great opportunity. And to hear the governor this week talk, you know, in furtherance of her executive order about underutilized state properties, you know, Southampton is perfect for that program. So, yes, you know, the history of those dormitories is, is not a great history, but now it's a great opportunity. And to me, that's what we should be focusing on. Wendy, um, Governor Kathy Hochul this week um, announced that she's um, issuing an executive order. Order The plan is to spend $500 million to create 15,000 affordable housing units on state-owned land all over the state. But... Um, Fred, I think you confirmed Stony Brook Southampton has been identified as a possible site for this, right? That, that, that an affordable housing proposal at Stony Brook Southampton campus is definitely on the table. Is that fair? Wendy? <laughs> as far as I know, yes. You've um, been, yeah, let me, the school has been in I, the conversations. But right? I'll, I'll kick that to Jed because so, this really is his area. Yeah, let me, let me, if you don't mind. Sure, me, absolutely. Um, let me address this. So, this is actually pretty neat in the sense that, um, you know, we've actually been thinking about this, uh, you know, the, the camp, Stony Brook University for a long time and really looking for trying to figure out what's a way to revitalize the campus. And actually, it was months ago, so actually quite long before the nice announcement from the governor where the governor's office, uh, you know, asked around of all the Stony Brook, of all the university campuses, SUNY campuses, do you have capacity for housing without specifying its nature or anything else? And it was at that time that we were looking at the potential for further housing development at Stony Brook University, the main campus in Stony Brook. And I'll tell you, we just lit up. Right. In other words, it was with this query that I think I think I can fairly say it, we just lit right up because this was like, yeah, I mean, how often do you actually can match the opportunity just as Assemblyman Thiel has talked about 
the fact that this is an underutilized campus with what we see, and this is where you know I think Bill can chime in as well, the crying need for housing that is really for the people that staff the hospital, that provide medical care, that work in the medical practices across the East End, uh, you know, and do it in a way that creates a really nice community, which also I think would go a long way to revitalizing campus, really make it home. So this is something that we are really excited about. You can tell from my voice, you know, I'm really <laughs> into this. And I don't know, Bill, do you want to talk a little bit about the need? Sure, sure. I mean, I think you all are aware that nationally there is a problem in recruiting nurses, in recruiting pharmacists, radiology technicians, et cetera. Uh, and it's just heightened in this area where the cost of living is so great. Um, so to me and to my mind, it is enormously important just from the perspective of healthcare and supporting the healthcare in this area for us to be able to have places for nurses to live, to have places for pharmacists to live. And, you know, with, uh, with, with the idea that the hospital's going on that campus as well and they could walk to work, sign me up for that too. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great opportunity. You know, I was talk I was here, um, at the hospital uh, yesterday, and I was talking to one of the doctors, and we had to be here early in the morning. And he said, um, and he doesn't live far away. I think he, he he's uh, on the other side of the Shinnecock Canal, but not that far. He said, yeah, you know, I left an hour and a half early because I wanted to make sure I didn't get caught in traffic. Um, so again, if we can do something that would combat that and put housing on on this campus, that would be a tremendous win for healthcare. Jed, Jed, I do have two questions. One is um, whether you have a number in mind. We have a source this week that said 500 units is on the table. Is that is that accurate? Uh, no, actually, and I and I I'm gonna say I probably am the, the authoritative source of information because this is a project which I'm really deeply involved with. So. We're nowhere near figuring that out yet. And it's it's so nice to hear from Assemblyman Thiel exactly what he's talking about in community involvement is really what we're thinking. So this will take a couple of minutes, but it's worth just talking about the process. So first of all, uh, you know, we're working with DASNY, which is the dormitory, dormitory authority of the state of New York. They are a big bond issuer. They're actually really excited about this project because they don't usually get into this sort of project around the state. They're very excited about it. You can talk with them. I think they would be happy to comment about this. And uh, what we're doing is under their auspices, we're really working through a series of RFP to generate uh, advisors. And this isn't as trivial as it sounds. So you need financial advisors. They have to do a market analysis. They have to do financial feasibility. And most importantly, they have to reach out into the community and work with the community to understand what's going on and what all the dynamics are. So it's exactly what has been talked about earlier. And, uh, and then we're gonna have legal advisors because we have to negotiate with people as we work our way through this. And we also have to have technical advisors, which over time will start to create a vision of what this, this you know, project will look like. So it's really a process that is just under getting underway that's why I was so happy to be at this, you know, uh, meeting because 
It's perfect timing. This is just starting. And, and these advisors are just starting to come online. Jed, the second question is, is this concept going to include affordable housing for others in the community or is it just for people who would be on the campus? You know, it's a great question. And I, I, I would say if it were, you know, if, if the thing pencils, right, in other words, got to work financially, I wouldn't limit this to just people who work, you know, for Stony Brook Medicine. I would include potentially people like teachers, policemen, you know, people who is struggling to find good housing, right? So we want to create a community and the more, you know, diverse from a professional perspective that community is probably the better and probably activates the campus even more. But that's a TBD, to be perfectly honest with you. Wendy, you want to add something? Yeah, I think this is a super exciting topic, uh, particularly, I mean, people, we talk a lot about affordable housing, we talk a lot about commute time, but people want to live in communities where they think they will thrive, right? And so this is a great opportunity to provide programming that um, professional development opportunities and community enrichment and and services that inform the care that, that professionals provide in the community. And so I think when you have kind of a, a community they're on campus, um, those are your students. And in terms of what that means, I think education can mean a lot of different things. It's not just degree programs, it's also workshops, it's also cultural enrichment. And so I think that's the path forward in terms of the future vi viability of the campus. Let me let, let, me let Tony go first and sure. then. Sure, and, and just a quick comment in that regard to um, you know kick the uh, housing horse one more time. The stars are very much aligned for a collaborative project like this. Last year, the governor signed into law a bill that Assemblyman Thiel carried in the Assembly, I carried in the Senate, to create a community housing fund. In order to be eligible for the state funds that the governor mentioned at her State of the State, we'll hear more in the budget next week um, as to how that's going to move forward, but you need to have a housing plan. So in addition to, obviously, you know, maybe the hospital association funding, maybe the university funding, we should also be able to drag some state money across the finish line to do all of this collaboratively and have three funding sources um, and really to get this done because it's just it's just really perfectly ripe for this. And more importantly, we'd be eligible, I believe, um, based upon the legislation that we passed last year that was adopted by Southampton uh, to keep the ball moving forward. Fred, three funding sources, but also a location, which is a big well, part. The land is exactly. the biggest issue and the cost of land. And here we have the land. So... Just a, a couple of things. One is, I agree, the, the town's community housing fund could play a role here, uh, and I think you know that's uh, you know certainly you know, of 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 importance. Uh, the thing I, I wanted to to bring up also, because again, it's about planning, and you have to look at all aspects of it. Part of this should also be the restoration of the railroad station at at the campus which has been closed for quite some time if you're going to have the hospital there with you know what 1200 employees at the hospital and housing there and uh that station you know should should be uh, restored and you know we're working with the, the south fork commuter connection has been a great success we just need more of it uh the the uh the long island railroad has a 260 million dollar proposed capital project to, to enhance infrastructure on the South Fork so we can have more trains. Uh, we need to get that into the next MTA capital plan this coming October. We should all be lobbying for that. Um, but you know, all of these things come together. There's a synergy here that, that if we bring it all together it could really be really, really positive. It would be the epitome of smart growth, right? Is building that housing right on the yeah. public transportation. 
Hello, my name is Dorothy Lichtenstein. I've been a resident of Southampton uh, Village since 1970, full-time resident. Um, I'm uh, on the, a trustee of the Southampton Foundation Board. Um, I came on that board when Shirley Strum Kenny was president of the university because of the program she envisioned, which was one of sustainability. And uh, uh, I, I realized that when we had financial debacle, uh, they chose to close that campus. Um, I must say, even being on the board, I was only informed of it the day before the announcement went public. Um, I, we all know how important healthcare is, but this is an opportunity to do something for the future. We, since we're talking about revitalizing the campus, I mean, the disappointment when they closed that campus and let Mary Pearl go was tremendous. And I think that would have been a thriving institution had it continued. This is really an opportunity. We already have, uh, it would work so well with marine science. Uh, these are programs of the future. We already have uh, someone working now with gardening and horticulture. Uh, it's something that I think the entire East End community would really uh, take part in. I think it's something that could bind this community. Unfortunately, uh, the campus has been very separate from the community. And uh, I realize how the importance of housing, uh, but there's an opportunity here uh, that's really tremendous. Uh, we could include uh, the Shinnecock tribe in this. I've been on that campus a lot. You do not see a butterfly. You do not see bees buzzing around that campus. Uh, what a chance to really enliven it. Um, I just think the community would go through the idea of building a campus with sustainability. And since Stony Brook has this amazing honor of having gotten the uh, contract for climate change yeah, in good. New York, that is as cohesive as working with a hospital. And I just want to throw this as another idea open. Let me let me have bring in the Stony Brook folks to answer that, Chris. I wonder if you could start, um, or Wendy, Chris. I, the climate exchange, the New York climate exchange. Stony Brook's been named to be a part of that, and maybe you can talk about that. And in the context of some of the work that is already being done on the campus. Yeah, I I, I think what I want to actually just do is address sustainability real quick, and then I'm going to pass it to Wendy to talk about the climate change. But I I actually want to correct there was. Um, the articles in the, the, the press have been amazing. There was actually one mistake in one of them, and that is even though Stony Brook closed uh, the, the sustainability program on uh, the Southampton campus, that program 
continues and it's actually thriving on the main campus. It's on the main campus. A- and it's actually become part of SOMAS. So it's now actually the School of Marine and Atmospheric Sciences and Sustainability. Um, and it's fully integrated within it. And I think we can all see, you know, when you, you mentioned climate change, Joe, and, you know, to, to, to sustain ourselves going forward in an era of climate change, uh, we have to integrate, you know, the sciences with, uh, you know, having sustainable communities. And there actually are people uh, from the sustainability program working on that campus. And, you know, and it, uh, Dorothy, you mentioned um, the work that the Food Lab is doing. There's actually conversations right now between uh, the sustainability program on main campus and the Food Lab on Southampton campus and, and you know, some agricultural initiatives there. So there, 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 there is movement afoot and sustainability is alive and well, uh, both at Stony Brook University, but on that campus. Uh, but uh, yeah, Wendy, I think maybe you could speak to the climate exchange no, no, or actually, other aspects. You said a lot of what I w- what I was going to say. Uh, first, thank you so much for your generosity to the university over the years. Um, Actually, I, that deserves a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that um, there is certainly opportunities to connect, and we are certainly looking at that. Uh, we have a person, uh, Kevin Reed, who's been appointed associate provost to be looking at those connections between the New York Climate Exchange and the education and research that we provide. Um, I will say for SOMAS, though, it is a great living lab for, for undergraduate work around sustainability. They have some great programs there. I think there is certainly is an opportunity for us to expand on that. I think there's a lot of excitement about uh, Stony Brook serving as the anchor institution. There is still some confusion about what that actually means in terms of informing our our, our programs and opportunities for students. But I do see a role that's, that, that the Southampton campus can play in particular in being a place where students come to do some experiential learning opportunities. A lot of those already happen with SOMAS, but we could certainly build on that. And I think with the momentum around the New York Climate Exchange, uh, that's a great opportunity to clap to uh, capitalize on that. You mentioned the food lab, especially. Um, Super exciting. They've got some wonderful workshops. Um, We're going to be doing our best to amplify a lot of the programs that are currently happening with additional uh, funds around marketing and advertising, because I think um, there's a lot of good work that's happening that people don't know about. And so making sure uh, that that uh, is no longer the case. And I I am happy to report that we are actually working with Shinnecock Nation on some programs uh, for underserved students across the East End. And so stay tuned for for more information on that. Yeah, terrific. Hi, Steve Abramson from Watermill. I have a question for you with regard to the status of the hospital. It seems to me that there's a mixed-use plan now for the campus, and the hospital is going to be the main hub. And four years ago, December, there was an architect selected to produce the plans for the new hospital. And it was expected at that time that we would have an operational hospital on that site in 2025. So to use Tony's analogy, I think the goalposts will have to be moved. And uh, just what is the status now in terms of the expectation for a new hospital and really getting moving on this? I think at the time they had planned on a $350 million bill. It's probably a lot more than that now. But during this time, since... Uh, the architect was chosen. Have we actually gotten pledges for most of the money necessary to build this institution? Where are we in the status of this build? This would be an opportunity to bring Ken Wright from the Southampton Hospital Association into the discussion too, but it's a fair question. I have to say, as an observer, 
that I had the same feeling Steve did that it felt like the future of this campus was revolving around the idea of a new hospital on the campus. That doesn't necessarily seem to be the centerpiece anymore, especially with this new talk of, of housing. Where does the hospital fit into all of this? I don't, Wendy, do you feel comfortable answering that or is there someone who's better suited to answer that? Bill, is that something you can talk about via Stony Brook Medicine? If I could just jump in, I think one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the nice part about having an, uh, what is it, approximately 84-acre campus is we actually have room to do what we're talking about. So is there room for the hospital and the housing yep. and everything else? Yep. there is. There okay. is. So there's no, so, so I don't either think, or. I don't think we have to choose from the standpoint of real estate availability. I think, so let's, that's sort of a foundational part of this thing. Now, I, let me defer to you. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I have, I'm I'm just a doctor, so I'm just thinking about the hospital. I'm sorry. Just a country um, doc. Yeah, I just, I just, just a country yeah, doc. I just save lives, whatever. Um, you know. But you know, I just want to point out a couple things. First of all, I just want to mention that we're even talking about a hospital. We owe a debt of gratitude to the vision of then Senator Laval and to Assemblyman Thiel and the ongoing support of Senator Palumbo and Assemblyman Thiel. So. I just want to thank them for for that ongoing support. The second thing is, I know, and I'm not going to take anything away from Ken. Um, uh, you know, in, in terms of his time to speak, he's a wonderful partner. I'm thrilled to to be able to work with him um, in his role as chair of the Southampton Association. Uh, we, you know, are are anxious to do whatever we can to help the process. In the meanwhile, we are doing what we need to do to improve the healthcare um, overall in the current hospital, throughout the South Fork and our practices. I just wanna uh, say one thing more. Actually, I'll say two things more if that's okay. Um, one is, you know, I mentioned the cardiocatheterization lab, which again would be part of a, you know, a new hospital. I have a, I have a friend who summers in Montauk and a couple of years ago, yeah, he was sitting in Montauk and had a, a heart attack. And it was right after the catheterization lab was opened. And thank heavens that it was open because if he had to go further west on the island, I don't know that we'd be able to have coffee every week as we're doing. Um, the second thing is we've brought uh, a net of 22 new providers, new, new physicians and nurse practitioners to the South Fork in the last two years. Just to sort of frame that for everybody, that is almost 11,000 new patients who've been able to get care uh, from the doctors that, that we've been able to bring out to the South Fork. So we're very anxious to partner with, uh, with Shah on the new hospital and the community on the new hospital and take advantage of the ample space available to us on the campus. Uh, in the meanwhile, we're still doing what we need to do. Thank you again for coming out today. This was a great one. We'll have another one coming up soon. Thanks so much.